It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome. So glad you could be with us today on Volcast. Uh, it is another great day, and uh, it's been a, a great week getting to work with clients from all around the world. And thanks for all the notes and suggestions. Um, today on the show, we've got Dr. Alan Schlechter. He's from uh, NYU. I'll talk to, about him in just a second. But Alan, you want to say hi to our guest? Hello out there, putting out into the ether. Who knows what's coming back? <laughs> let me let me properly introduce Alan here. He is a clinical associate professor at NYU Langone Medical Center, as well as the director of the outpatient child and adult psychiatry program at Bellevue Hospital in New York. He's married and he's got two kids. Uh, and and what what are you, Alan? An outrageously talented table tennis aficionado? Is that what I understand? I'm getting there. I'm getting, You're getting I'm there. Lessons. Nice. I can't wait to uh, to play play you. I you know I just get to play against my like thirteen year old son, so it'd be nice to you know get taken by somebody here occasionally. It was um, I've I've elevated so that I stopped calling it ping pong and I now call it table tennis. That's, that is just that's the that's proper. Of, yeah. <laughs> well, the if Olympic you want to level sport. I love it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us today, um, you can call in by calling in at 1-866-472-5788. If you want to email me during the show, I'll be keeping an eye on that. It's jeff at voltageleadership.com. And during the week, our website's voltageleadership.com. And you can like us on Facebook at Voltage Leadership or connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith Voltage Leadership Consulting. So, Alan... You know, really happy to be on here. We, we, we're talking about, you know, how, how can you be a better leader? And it starts with your own well-being. And so I'm maybe just curious. You know, I know you teach this class at uh, NYU with uh, Dan Lerner. You know, it's called the uh, mm-hmm. Science of Happiness. It's uh, NYU's most popular elective class. You know, when, when you think about uh, sort of well-being, you know, what, what's your definition of well-being? Let's get kind of that up, up top so that people can understand what we're talking about. Well, Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. And Absolutely. I, I think just having a definition of well-being puts you, most people, so much ahead of the pack. The fact that I can define it in a very concrete fashion and pursue it, as opposed to, I think many other people feel that well-being is this ethereal thing. Um, but it's actually something with qualities that many of us share. So the qualities that I think of uh, have a wonderful acronym, which is PERMA. And PERMA is positive emotions. That's the P, positive emotions, which is exactly what you think of, happiness, joy, love. Those are the really what we call the activated positive emotions, but they're also the ones that we don't get as much of, which are the inactivated positive emotions, serenity, calm, tranquility. We actually know that all of the positive emotions are a buffet, but those calm ones, the serenity, the tranquility, they're the ones that have a huge impact on our immune system, 
on how we feel, that we need a certain amount of the ones we actually, that, that are the hardest to buy. You know, you can buy a lot of the happiness to a certain extent. You know, you can, you can pay for fun, but you can't pay for calm and tranquility and serenity as much. After positive emotions, the E is engagement. Engagement is the activities that truly gratify you and fulfill you. Actually, Jeff, you said this to me once. Uh, it lets you know who you are. It's when you're doing something and you're totally absorbed in the process. The R is relationships. Relationships consistently throughout research signify the happiest people, mm-hmm. the people with the greatest well-being. You actually can't have great well-being without good relationships. And of course, in my line of field, because most of the time I deal with mental illness, we know that people who are isolated become depressed. Think about it. If you put someone in isolation for too long, they lose touch with reality. They become what we call psychotic. It is sure. considered a torture to put someone into isolation. So that's the P, that's the E, that's the R. M is meaning. Now, again, meaning is one of those words where people say, well, that could mean a million things. But there's actually a very good definition. Meaning is what matters to us. It's what makes sense to us. And meaning, what's meaningful for us, gives us the springboard for our purpose in life. So kids mean a lot to us, Uh, and particularly me. Uh, helping sure. children means a lot to me. And this gave me a springboard for my life, personally and professionally. I, I have kids who I love very much, but it's also the, my, my mission at Bellevue. How do I help kids get better? And finally, the last one is A, it's accomplishment. Uh, that feeling that we've accomplished something can be important to us at work, But it can also, for me recently, I feel like I've been improving as a father a lot, mostly Mm -hmm. through the strong advice of my wife, Carlin. And and that's where I'm feeling really accomplished right now, that I didn't lose my cool. I was literally just saying to my wife, I was really happy I didn't lose my cool with my kids this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's PERMA in a nutshell. And if you could just have those, so Martin Seligman is the one who developed this out of the University of Pennsylvania. He's called the father of positive psychology. It's the field of psychology which is really pursuing in an evidence-based, scientific manner uh, how to live a life worth living. Um, and uh, this is his acronym, PERMA. And if you, if you have a drop in each of those buckets, he would say you are flourishing. Hmm. I love it. And Alan, well done then this morning, you know, at uh, be, being the accomplished father that I know you are and getting better by the day. So I love it. I, I uh, you know, as many of the audience will know, I've got a daughter going off to Duke here uh, in about two weeks. Uh, in fact, two weeks from today at one thirty, we'll be moving her in. Um, wow. And so, yeah, so it's it's a very interesting time and a bit of walking on the eggshells around the house right now. Just, you know, everyone getting ready right. and, you know, one minute everything's joyful. And the next moment you're like, wow, this is a new growth opportunity for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe um, swing a, thank you for the definition and maybe swing us over a little bit to your class now, the, the, the science of happiness. You know, what made you and Dan really uh, think that this is a, a topic you want to teach and maybe bring us into the classroom, you know, for this part of the discussion. And then we'll, in the next segment of the show, we'll start to dig in a little bit deeper. But, you know, why the interest in this as a topic and, and why do you think it's so popular? Well, I think that I had spent four years in medical school, a year of doing research in Alzheimer's disease. I spent then three years of adult psychiatry training in my residency, and then two years of my training just focusing on children and adolescents. And so I spent 10 years studying what was wrong and how to get rid of what was wrong and to approach patients with the question you get asked when you go to your doctor, what's your, what's your chief complaint? What's your problem? What's, what sure. brings you in here today? And it mm-hmm. better be bad. And <laughs> I felt like patients, I could help them get rid of what's bad, but I didn't see them thriving and I didn't see mm-hmm. them flourishing. And I often saw them getting rid of what's bad, but coming back to the same place. And it really goes back to a central tenant in the field of positive psychology, that the absence of unhappiness is not equal to happiness. And in our society, where we have life and liberty and the right to pursue happiness, it was a very wise thing to say. It it is something that needs to be pursued. And I felt like I didn't have the language for it. So I got very interested in the subject. If in internal medicine, you lower somebody's blood pressure, they're less likely to have a stroke. You lower somebody's cholesterol, they're less likely to have a heart attack. And I started to think, what things could you promote in someone that would actually help them prevent depression, reduce anxiety, and help them flourish? So I got very interested in this. And I connected with Dan Lerner, who has a master's in applied positive psychology. Actually, the truth is I started teaching the course without him. And he came in and he, he was introduced to me and he came in and he watched me one day. And, and he pointed out that I was teaching happiness like a doctor <laughs> and spending about 70% of my time focus, focusing on how we overcome challenges and not on how we build our wellness. Mm. And, and he, he joined me. He said, he said, do you know what you really need? And I said, what? He said, you need me. Uh, you need me to teach this class with you. I said, you know, I think you're right. And it's been a ton of fun. It's much more fun teaching with someone else because you can get real feedback and they push you. And so we started building, you know, now we teach about a thousand students a year. And um, it's really been this remarkable thing. So now the class is about 30%. Look, the class still has uh, 30% of it. uh, 30 to 35% is about how you overcome challenges. We teach people about cognitive behavioral therapy. We teach them about resilience, how to overcome and experience traumas in life, how to, you know, manage difficult situations. Uh, in communication, but the majority of the class is about thriving. So mm-hmm. when we teach about sleep, 
we teach people to sleep well because it is a cognitive enhancer, not just because it is a cure for sleepiness. Right. If, if we want, right. If we want to teach somebody the value of eating well, I'm going to point out how when you eat well, you're actually going to have the willpower, how it's going to affect your brain so that you're actually going to learn better later mm-hmm. on in the day and have more energy. Not, you know, when most people think of a diet, they think, okay, I'm going to get rid of a cheeseburger as opposed to what, I'm, what am I going to eat that's really healthy? Well, and uh, here's why I was going to take you, Alan, here. Um, I, I love it. I love the intentionality, you know, and um, I'm feeling better about the uh, broccoli and cauliflower uh, that I had right before we uh-huh. had uh, that came on. So I'm feeling good. I feel alert, you know, and uh, we're coming up for a break here. And so I think after the break, you know, where I want to go is, um, you know, how do we start uh, building this wellness? You, you're starting to give us some suggestions. You know, what I also want to do is make sure that you guys know uh, Alan and Dan wrote a book together called called You Thrive, How to Succeed in College and Life. And it's outstanding. Um, And not just for folks that are like me that are sending off a child to college. Um, They have fantastic recommendations in here and uh, wonderful tools. We may get to whoop later on uh, in the day, so stay tuned for that. Um, But what I would really encourage folks, again, it's You Thrive, uh, How to Succeed in College and Life by Daniel Lerner and Alan Schlechter. And it's an outstanding book that uh, I'm sure Alan will give us a little bit more on later in the show. He will be with us the entire show. So if you'd like to email us or give us a call, we'll be here. In the meantime, we'll be back in two minutes. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. 
To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. We've got uh, Dr. Alan Schlechter on the show today. Alan is a friend and an author and um, a outstanding uh, clinician as well. And uh, Alan is going to be with us today talking a, a lot about things from his book, You Thrive, How to Succeed in College and Life, as well as what he's been working on and teaching in the classroom at NYU in the class called The Science of Happiness. So before the break, uh, Alan, I kind of teed out this thought of, you know, you, you've talked about how do we build our wellness um, that's really important. So as you're working with folks, uh, whether it's students or your patients, how do you go about getting them to start thinking about building wellness? You know, I hadn't really heard that term, and, I, and that really caught me by surprise. I'm like, that's a great way of thinking about it. So how do you work with folks to build wellness? Now, there's a lot of psychoeducation. First of all, that's a great question, um, because that's, that is exactly what it is. It's a building. Um, and there's, I'd say there's a lot of scaffolding that goes in. And that would be the psychoeducation, that idea of helping people understand that positive emotions, for instance, we all think of, yeah, it's good to have more fun in your life. But actually, there's these amazing studies, a variety of them, that show that having a lot of positive emotions, joy, happiness, serenity, calm, not only are you experiencing more happiness, but the people who experience higher levels live longer. They have better relationships. They have significantly better achievement at work, in the work environment. Uh, And one of the reasons that this comes about has to do with positive emotions do very specific things to our brain. There's a neuroscience behind what happiness does to us. So the first thing people have to understand And particularly a lot of people come to me with negative emotions and they just want to get rid of the negative emotions, you know, anger, fear, sadness. But positive emotions and negative emotions do two very different things for us. Negative emotions kept us alive for thousands of years. Without the negative emotions, we wouldn't have known to run away from the tigers, you know, a couple hundred thousand years ago. Positive emotions, on the other hand, they are what connect us with other people. They support us. They, they quite literally help us see the bigger picture. In a study where they showed people a group of images with a very strong image in the forefront, a picture of someone's face, and in the background there was a picture of a home, they split up the group. Half the group was primed with positive emotions. This is as simple as spend 30 seconds thinking about your happiest thought. And when they did that and they said, what did you see in the center of the picture? Both groups were able to say, oh, I saw a face. When they said, what did you see in the background? The group that was not primed with positive emotions didn't have a significant recall. Recall. The majority of the people who were primed with positive emotions were able to say, oh, I think there was a house. There was something in the background, and I know what it is. This has led to what Barbara Fredrickson, down at the University of North Carolina, and one of my most favorite uh, admired researchers, 
Even if she's a Tar Heel, we'll, we'll let it go. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, that is very <laughs> diversity. <happy> what, what? <laughs> I know that's beautiful, and it, it's okay that my mom's from Birmingham, so I have to say Roll Tide, and we can just accept that. We can accept that too. But um, I love it. so, so the she talks about it. It's called the broaden and build theory. That while negative emotions, anger, sadness, they call us to narrow and constrict and focus on the minute details. If I ask you what's getting you down, that's all you're going to talk about. But when you're feeling a lot of positive emotions, our ability to compromise increases. Our ability to quite physically see the bigger picture. In a great study done on doctors in 1997, they took a group of internists, they gave them a list of symptoms and asked them to diagnose. But again, they split them up into two groups. One group, they gave a bag of candy. And they said, after you're done, you're going to get to eat this candy, share it with your friends, bring it home to your kids. They were thrilled. They didn't get to eat the candy. That would have messed up the study. The group that was given the candy was 20% more accurate. Doctors who are actually, I actually just saw this very sad study. Doctors right now are not the happiest bunch. It's a hard time in medicine, even though I love what I do. <laughs> I love being a doctor. But it's really hard. Doctors need to be primed with positive emotions. Not only did they diagnose more accurately, but they did something called, they did less of this thing called anchoring. So doctors, if they have a, a specific thing that they're interested in. Let's say you're a cardiologist. I could come to you with the common cold, but if you're a cardiologist, I'm probably going to end up getting an echo before I leave your office. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll be like, let's just do a stress test just to make sure. But when people are primed with positive emotions, they're almost less stuck in the mud, stuck in the past, and they're more willing to deal with whatever is in front of them and present. Yeah, so, um, so Alan, how did you like? How do you teach your students, your patients, to actually yeah. do that? It, it, you know, so I like to broaden and build. You know, do you have a tip or two mm-hmm. for the, that you offer to folks? Well, there are a few. Uh, everything in our class and everything in our book—that um, was my plug. That's my <laughs> that's my plug to the hour. Everything in that book it is made to be executed. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a platitude. There, there is an exercise at the end of every chapter because there are a few things that we know we can do, very concrete things that will actually that are increase our positive emotions, but seem to increase people's well-being. And as long as they continue those activities, their well-being stays elevated. So one of the activities that I really love has to do with gratitude. Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot of talk about gratitude. Gratitude. Uh, it is truly the most pro-social emotion that we have. Um, it, it is like glue. It connects us all. And people who, and, and it's a strength. It's something you can develop. You can have more of. It's like any other muscle, you can exercise it. People who wrote down the three things they're grateful for at the end of the day 
showed a significant increase in their well-being. And as long as they continued, and this has been done over two years, some, some of these studies, as long as it's continued, their well-being maintains the same elevation. I think something I was recently asked, are there certain things that are better to be grateful about? I don't have an answer to that, but, but I have certainly noticed the people who use this exercise the most uh, successfully are the ones who really search for those things that, that they spend just five minutes really thinking, what was it? Because on any day, you know, I'm grateful that we had some feta left in the cheese, uh, <laughs> feta left in the fridge, so I had some feta with my lunch today. That's nice. It makes my lunch better. But what I'm really grateful for is that my wife uh, was able to help me this morning uh, get Marlo, my younger daughter, out on time. Or what I was really grateful for was a colleague at work who handled a crisis, uh, which gave me the time to deal with something else. Mm -hmm. Finding gratitude for other people is probably a bit more meaningful um, and may have a bigger impact. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, you know, I was just thinking about um, being grateful for good positions. Uh, I had a knee challenge. And, and mm-hmm. you, know, you know, being able to be cleared up relatively easily, it, it's, uh, I'm doing much better. And I found myself each morning uh, really being grateful to be able to get out and get a run. And, you know, two months ago when I was no problems, that's, I didn't really, I wasn't grateful for my health. It was just like, yeah, I'm getting up and going running. Right. But, but then when you, it's not working, and I got to tell you, like my mood has just really improved by being able to get out there, you know, sweat a little, but also to know, hey, you know, my health is in good shape because of somebody else. And I really appreciated that. Um, that that's exactly it. Yeah. So Enough, we, there, are two other, go ahead, there are two other exercises that I think are, you know, what everybody has to know is that if one exercise doesn't connect with you, there's yep. going to be an exercise that does connect with you. So for some people, maybe gratitude is already a big part of your life. Um, because actually, Jeff, I think of you as a very grateful person. But even if gratitude isn't a big part of your life, another uh, exercise which has a very similar evidence base done in a, a similar study style is the random acts of kindness. And this was developed by uh, another wonderful clinician, Luba Mursky, who's, who had people do three, five, it's a five acts of kindness over the course of three, three days. So you do mm. five acts of kindness each day for three days in a row. They tried it in a variety of numbers, uh, but, but really pushing yourself to think about your acts of kindness become really aware. Not only, again, does it elevate you, do you feel like you're contributing, it feels meaningful, but hopefully you end up with a little bit of gratitude as well. I like it. We probably have time. If uh, we got about a minute and a half for the, the break, what was the, uh, do you know the other tool off the top of your head or you want me to come back to that? The, uh, oh, the character strength? Yeah. Or, or another tool? Yeah. To- one other, one other tool I would highly recommend, and you can go to via, viacharacter.org, 
And that allows you to find out about your character strengths. Your character strengths, when you use them, are what help you feel really engaged in life. And if you can use them in novel ways every day, like for me, my highest character strength is curiosity. And if I make sure that I use my curiosity every day, getting to know a new person, reading an article I've wanted to read, by the way, today, getting on the radio with you, Jeff, then that's also, a, that seems to have a huge increase in people's well-being. And that will maintain itself as long as I keep challenging my curiosity. Yeah, Alan, this is excellent. So we are getting ready to go to our second break here. You know, so I love this uh, gratitude idea, maybe writing a gratitude letter and presenting it to someone that's had a meaningful impact on your life. Um, you know, random acts of kindness, you know, five acts over three days, you know, five acts each day for three days. Pretty amazing stuff. It will lead to better well-being right now. We've got to take a two-minute break, and we'll come back with some more ideas about your well-being. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Aliens with Gas, we are the Extraterrestrial Rock Show, airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix, a phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, do. All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. 
Welcome back, and glad you could be here with us. Uh, we've had Alan Schlechter um, on the show today. He and uh, Daniel Dan Lerner are the authors of You Thrive, How to Succeed in College and Life, and they both teach the uh, most popular elective class at uh, NYU called The Science of Happiness. So, uh, Alan, one of our questions that we've gotten in here is around, um, you know, why is it important for a leader to care about well-being? You know, so we're talking a lot about sort of the individual, but you know, why is it essential for a leader? And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about the break. Maybe we can also go into some good examples of leaders with good well-being and maybe some without good well-being. So, why, first off, why is it important? It's such a wonderful question, Jeff, because we know many leaders who do not have well-being. We can think mm-hmm. of them, uh, famous leaders, um, and whether it's, Steve Jobs. You can think of a lot of people also when you're talking about really great leadership, about people just in general who develop excellence in what they're doing, who are able to display their expertise. And some people do it with well-being, and some people do it without well-being. Um, But then we have people who are able to develop great excellence and leadership, and I think of Richard Branson, and I think of Warren Buffett, who are famous for developing not only tremendous businesses, but always placing well-being, uh, community, uh, Warren Buffett's leadership during our financial crisis, the, the sense of his willing to um, support his community, the United States, his dedication to his community has always been about him. So you can, you can have both. I think my argument would be is that you're actually much more likely to develop great leadership when you are carrying with you well-being and when you mm. are carrying with you really a passion uh, that I think of as harmonious. Uh, and, and that's been one of the areas I've been... Uh, really lucky to listen to Dan talk about it, something he's very interested in, is this idea of harmonious passion versus obsessive passion. Has anybody talked about this on your show, Jeff? No, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm curious. I can, I think I can imagine some of the uh, not so great passions I see that uh, that are out there. Like some of my friends that play golf like seven days a week and uh, barely right. connect with family, you know. <laughs> so, but, no, but uh, fill, fill us in. No, that's exactly it. You, you've got it. And it, it's actually, once you think about it, it's really intuitive, but the, the science behind studying passion, right? And when I say passion, that's, an intense desire or it's an enthusiasm mm-hmm. for something. And sure. a leader leads, hopefully, with a certain degree of passion to inspire those around them, which is, a, I would say, one of the defining words of a leader. When you compare a leader to a manager, a leader is supposed to use more inspiration. And a harmonious passion is something that you do because you love it, because it's just a part of your life. You do it to learn, not just to win, um, you are in control. So whether it's golf, the people who can, you know, they can play one round in the morning and then they can go home to their family <laughs> versus the person who plays around, has a quick bite to eat, plays another round, and at the end of the weekend, they're thinking, mm, maybe I should have spent more time with my family. <laughs> uh, right. that, that's an obsessive passion. 
where it, it's, it's all-consuming. It is your whole life. Obsessive passions, um, and we see this in leaders as well, is you're doing it for others. You're doing it for status, for glory, or for money. You're going to be the best or you're going to be nothing. And that goes the same for your employees. That the, the passion controls you. So the really interesting thing when they've studied, um, and there's a fellow named uh, Valorand who studies passion. The really interesting thing about passion is that when you have a harmonious passion, you're much more likely to experience well-being. You're, you're happier. Your relationships are happier. You're more focused in all areas of your life. So I'm going to throw myself at you. mentioned how much I love ping pong before. I love ping pong. I love playing with my kids. I love my work at Bellevue. I love teaching uh, kids at NYU. I love my wife. <laughs> you know, I love all of these things. And I do my best, as best as any of us can do, to make time for all of them. And I've always noticed that when one area becomes too dominant, if, if Bellevue takes over my life and I don't have the minimum of what I need with my kids every day, I need two hours with my kids every day, I find myself feeling less energetic, feeling less productive. And actually, there's a lot of science behind that, that people, when their passions shift to becoming obsessive, they are less energetic, they're less productive. Ironically, the way people develop excellence in general, the way you want all of your employees to develop excellence is through something called deliberate practice. But in a study done by Valorand in 2007, people with obsessive passions actually have a much more difficult time staying on task. They're far more likely to burn out. They're much uh, more self-destructive. So they've done this. They've looked at um, figure skaters, ballerinas, uh, even yoga instructors, yoga sure. instructors who are like, I'm going to be the best yogi out there. And they're doing yoga 10 hours a day and not having any other part of their life. They're more likely to injure themselves. They actually have more negative emotions. So that idea of you can be Steve Jobs where, you know, he gave up his family. He, you know, he disowned a daughter although I think eventually he accepted her into his life. You know, he, he, he did that, and we saw him. He was still able to develop excellence, but what I would question is whether actually he missed his real potential. Sure. That, actu that actually, if he had had well-being and he had had those positive emotions, Yo-Yo uh, Ma, one of the great cellists, you know, living right now, one of my favorite quotes of his, the only reason to play is for pleasure. Mm. You know, Richard well, Branson, he loves his passions, but it was, it was what they helped him do in other areas of his life. Well, I think for uh, this over-caffeinated uh, sort of audience that I've probably got that are, that are leaders that are craving to, to, to do better, you know, the kind of thought as I was listening to you is variety is the spice of life. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's kind of like we can... Part of what you're saying is, you know, pouring in three extra hours week over week over week to, you know, work on Sunday to get a PowerPoint presentation ready and having it down to the nth degree. You know, at some point that adds up to you. 
in comparison of, you know, maybe it is a walk in the woods or it is, you know, a hobby that you do with your kids. I, you know, I, I happen to play nine holes of golf with my two boys on Saturday morning. We didn't have soccer practice. There won't be, you know, a, probably another Saturday of no soccer practices or games until late October. You know, we went out and played these nine holes of golf. And I got to tell you, yeah. I didn't think about work at all one time. You know, it was just really connected with the kids. Philip, my 13-year-old, got his first real par, you know, like three shots on a par three in the hole. He was very excited. And what I found was that so far, Monday and Tuesday this week, I have, like, had such good insights and and things are just flowing because I think that over the last couple of weeks, I've really connected in different ways with my kids, with a couple of my passions. And it's funny how... I hadn't put my finger on the, the 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 variety of I'm not spread too thin, but the things I'm really intentional about spending my time on right now are bringing such pleasure and joy that I see my work getting better too. But that I, I'm not concentrating on the work right now as hard, and so you know, I think this uh, you know it's a testament to what you're speaking of. That that's exactly it, Jeff. And you know I, I really think the biggest comparison that was popping up in my head as you were talking is anybody who has kids, when we meet other people who don't have kids and they tell us they're so busy and we go, oh, that's really tough. But inside we're smiling and we're laughing because we're thinking you don't have children. You have no idea what busy is. <laughs> sure. And, and that feeling that I think often in life when we're feeling really overwhelmed or burnt out, that it means that we have to cut back on things. And actually, the answer, in many cases, I find, is actually, it's just that we need to have different activities in our life. And that's actually how I started taking ping pong lessons, was I hurt my wrist, and so I stopped playing tennis and squash, which I really love. And I've been without a sport for over a year, and I was feeling pretty tired at work. And I said, you know, the E of PERMA, engagement, I I didn't have that in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking ping pong lessons, which takes time out of my schedule and it's one more thing to do. And, but then I found myself reinvigorated in every way at work as well, that when we have engagement outside of work, we're actually more likely to come back to work and be engaged. Yeah, that's really good. So Alan, a couple things from this segment, Um, you know, Think about harmonious passion. Um, study sort of obsession, obsessive passion. And I think that um, many of us get uh, kind of uh, wrapped around the axle at work sometimes with that obsessive, you know, passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is some truth to this deliberate practice as well. You know, what are we, what are we doing to learn something well? Get good at it, master it, but don't let it overrun your life. But the more intentional that we can be in the activities we're picking, great. And often, you know, one of the things that I uh, think about a lot is, you know, I I talk about an exercise of what's my day going to be like? And so before I get out of bed, I pick a word for the day and so that I can be Mm -hmm. intentional. You know, and so earlier you used the word curiosity. Many days curiosity is one of mine. Sometimes it's inspirational if I'm giving a speech. Um, or it can be, you know, calm if I know I've got a heavy day of client coaching so that I'm calm so I can be present for the other person. So at present, we're up against a break. So what we'll do is we're going to take a two-minute break, come back for the <laughs> last so segment. Good. 
Yeah, come back for our last segment where we'll give our top tips and tools around well-being to the audience. So we'll talk to you in two. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back, and thanks for spending part of your day with us. We've had uh, Dr. Alan Schlechter on the show, on the show today. Sorry about that. Kind of blended it all together. Uh, Alan and Dan Lerner are both the authors of You Thrive, How to Succeed in College and Life, and the professors that teach the most popular class at NYU that is called The Science of Happiness. So, Alan, we've uh, we've been talking all along about sort of how do we work on our well-being? How do we as leaders grow ourselves? You know, I love during the break we even had a conversation about, you know, one of the things you're uh, discovering about yourself is keeping friendships first. I find that interesting. Uh, I, I've got a business trip uh, tomorrow and normally I just go down and back and, uh, you know, I was intentional about saying I'm going to leave an hour earlier and go have lunch with a friend instead of just going and doing the work. Um, you know, so I think that that's a really important part of a leader is, um, having relationships outside the workplace that keep you sane and keep you excited. So one of the questions that um, came in that, that you know you and I have banged around a little bit, um, does my job have to be, do I have to be passionate about my job? Do I have to love my job to be successful? So maybe we could address that a little bit. 
That's such a such a big question right now. I think people, yeah. I think when you look in the media, a lot of the media, when you and certainly if you watch any sitcom, you know everybody wants their job to be a perfect representation of who they are, and mm-hmm. that's simply not the case, and it doesn't have to be in any way. But what's really important for people, and it's the value of developing well-being as a leader so that you can model this, is that when you have activities outside of work that either engage you or you are truly passionate about. When I say passionate, I mean you spend eight hours a week. When they look at people who have passion, they spend eight hours a week doing this either at work or outside of work. Um, so let's say I love playing table tennis. I could easily play ten out, eight hours of table tennis a week. And when people have that, they find that even though they may not be as passionate about their work, their passion in their work increases. Their ability to stay focused and their de- desire to really commit to uh, setting goals um, and improving themselves at work increases. That eventually you just start to want to improve yourself in all areas of life. So I think it's really wonderful when our passions coincide with our work. But, uh, and actually somebody was just telling me a really fascinating uh, story about Jim Carrey. That he's actually a, a really uh, wonderful artist. He loves to paint. Um, but he realized at some point in his life that although he really loved to paint and he was passionate about it, he felt that as a comedian, he was going to be more successful. And also, he also had a feeling within himself that he didn't want to make money off of his painting. And so he pursued comedy, but he continued, he's always continued to paint, and painting has been a big part of his life. Hmm. Did not know that. Thanks for sharing. I, I know. I thought that was really interesting. I better check the source, but no. was, you know, it sounds reasonable. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're sort of in the uh, the wrap up phase here. You know, a couple of the the things that you've presented to us are great. Um, you know, this uh, doing gratitude every day, a, a gratitude letter. You know, writing a note to somebody. Um, I, I highly recommend that. I um, when I was about thirty years old, I wrote um, the top ten people that had influenced my life to that point. I wrote them a letter and I let them see, I wrote a, a paragraph or so on each person and mm-hmm. everybody that was on my list, I gave them uh, everyone else's information too. And it was just really interesting. Um, while it was great for me and made me feel wonderful and brought tears, it was even more moving to see how I was able to help other people connect with each other. And the, the only common denominator was me and and the network and the, and the excitement. So, I think a gratitude letter is fantastic or, you know, taking a moment each day to think about three things that you're grateful for or people you're grateful for, you know, as well as, you know, um, these ideas of, you know, the taking time to do random acts of kindness, maybe five random acts of kindness for like three days and see what happens. You know, is there anything else, you know, in the last, uh, you know, couple minutes of the show here that uh, you'd want us to to know that uh, you suggest? I'd throw in one more exercise that was one of Chris, Christopher Peterson's, who's one of the kind of founding voices of positive psychology. 
And I think it doesn't have as much evidence base, but I've used it with a lot of my students and gotten a lot out of it. And what you do is you create a journal. A lot of positive psychology is journaling so you can sort of reflect on yourself. And keep a journal of the things that made you feel best in any day. And do that for one month. And when I did it, I stopped after three weeks. It was so clear to me what made my days good and the things that could make my day good that I could have every day. So what I call my three good things are that I spend at least two hours with my kids every day, that I meditate for 20 minutes. And the third thing that made my day good was not when I finished 50 emails, but when I crossed something off my list, like when something was completely done. Like today, uh, my thing to cross off my list is to finish my syllabus for next semester. So if I can do, if I can just cross one thing off my list every day, uh, meditate for 20 minutes and spend two hours with my kids and family, no matter what else happens in the day, it gives me that feeling, that what we call locus of self-control. Uh, and I find my days, my, my, well-being, my well-being really shifts up. And so that's been something that, and so figuring out what that is for you. Now, by the way, many of my students always come back to me and they're looking at their list of three good things and they say, somebody tells me that I'm attractive. And I say, well, that's not something that happens to me every day. And <laughs> oh, come on, unless Alan. It every day. Come on. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe. You know, my wife will occasionally tell me I'm attractive, but, you know, not, maybe not every day. Um, and she can, she's in the background right now, so this is a real hint to her. But um, that idea of, of things that we control, because the truth is in life, we control very little. Anything can happen. But making that intention to do the three things that you know make you feel good every day, truly good. Uh, I also, I think I'm against the, you know, a snicker bar also makes me feel good. But it, that goes into the category of hedonism. You know, it makes you feel good for a moment, but then you come back. Oh, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. So it has been a joy and an honor to, uh, to get to work with Alan, um, both professionally uh, and consider him a friend. Uh, so uh, Alan, he's the uh, uh, good-looking version of uh, the youth Rive authors here. <laughs> is that what I was supposed to say? <laughs> no, yeah, Dan is also very good-looking, but, uh, you know. Oh, my, it's like better. Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, Alan Schechter, again, his book uh, is You Thrive, How to Succeed in College and Life. Um, next week on the show, we're going to have Joanne Losey, so Alan knows Joanne as well, and we're going to be talking about succession planning and talent development, and how do you grow um, your business, hopefully be as successful as possible, and have the talent to match the strategies that you need. So Joanne and I will be covering that topic uh, next week. Uh, again, during the week, if you want to reach out to us, it's Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Uh, you can find us on VoltageLeadership.com. We'll be posting this, so if you want to go back and listen to it. And then I've written a couple of blogs um, about this topic. So stay tuned. Come out to the VoltageLeadership.com. Uh, they post on Mondays, and we'll make sure that we follow up. So, Alan, again, thanks so much for being on the show, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Jeff. This is wonderful. Great. And to everyone else, next week, again, uh, Joanne and I will be on the show at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, please feel free to choose an email with any thoughts or questions. In the meantime, make it a great week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. 
Thank you for tuning in to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.